Welcome to Peer to Peer, the podcast, brought to you by Rainer. Listen in as we hear from top surgeons having great conversations with their peers about hot and popular topics in ophthalmology. Today we will hear from host Dr. Lisa Nisham and guests Dr. Stephanie Schmickler and Dr. Josefina Botta about women in ophthalmology championing women in the OR. Dr. Nisham is a corneal, cataract and refractive surgeon at Warrenville Eye Care and LASIK, a licensed attorney and an assistant clinical professor of ophthalmology at the University of Illinois Eye and Ear Infirmary. Dr. Stephanie Schmickler is a cataract and refractive surgeon and managing director of the Augen Zentrum Nordwest in Ahaus, Germany. Dr. Josefina Botta is an ophthalmologist at Botta Ruiz in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and an undergraduate and postgraduate professor of ophthalmology at the University of Buenos Aires and the University of Maimonides. Let's jump in. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Nijem, and today we are speaking with Dr. Stephanie Schmickler and Dr. Josefina Botta about women in ophthalmology championing women in the OR. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Lisa. Mm-hmm. It's so great to see you both. And I am very much looking forward to this conversation today. Um, women have long been leaders in ophthalmology and are gaining more recognition today uh, than ever before. So I wanted to start things off by asking a little bit about each of your journey towards becoming successful and influential um, leaders in ophthalmology worldwide where you are today. I can start. I started in ophthalmology at a time where we had too many doctors on the German market. It was so difficult to find a job and therefore I had to be ambitious. I did some extra work in order to to get my job, to keep my job and to get further and to uh, become an ophthalmologist. I had the possibility to start surgery like you right from the beginning in my residency. And then I was later involved in clinical trials and therefore could networking with colleagues, not only from Germany, but from all over the world. And therefore, yeah, my way went, uh, went on. And later, then I wanted to know what will be my future. And as I come from a business uh, um, household. My father had a big business. It was my intention to to have my own business in medicine. And therefore, later on, I I had the the possibility to buy a big practice and clinic. And I further made uh, made it bigger. Now I have a, a partner with whom I've Um, been working together now for uh, almost 15 years and we have about 250 employees. We have more than 25 ophthalmologists and we do a lot of surgery, but we also do a lot of conservative work. It's a long way, but I would do it again. It's I would say it's a marathon. It's not over. It's still going on. It's so true. It's definitely a marathon. And I think, and I'm sure you're going to touch on this now, uh, Chico Sofina, uh, some of the points that really resonated with me was when you said that uh, we not only have to be excellent surgeons, but we really also have to be 
you know, have business knowledge too, because what we're building here to be able to take care of our patients, to be able to have our staff, we need strong businesses as well. And I think it's, um, it's really interesting. There's a lot of data showing how much better companies do when they're run by women or have uh, women in diversity on the boards. Uh, and I think we've got three great examples here. <laughs> so um, Josefina, uh, how about your journey to get to here? My journey was somewhere similar, but also different to yours, Stephanie, because, you know, when I uh, was out of high school and I decided to go into uni, uh, my family did not come from a medical background either. My parents are into business and economy. So when I said I'm going to offer medicine, they all dropped dead and thought I was completely crazy, right? It's very easy for me to go into in entrepreneurship and, and businesses, etc., because you know it's something that it comes to me naturally. So when I said I'm going to study medicine, they were sure about it, and I said yeah. And the reason why I went for medicine in the first place, it was because to me, you know, it's a perfect combination between a science and an art. It's both. Not everything is scientific in the way we approach our patients, but there's also an art part of it when you think about how to approach a person, not only a person with a sickness, right? Sure. And then when I finished medical school, I went into ophthalmology because to me, it was so fascinating the combination between science and technology. Because I think we all agree that in ophthalmology, you see technology at its very best, you know, lasers and the development of of uh, intraocular lenses, etc. So to me, it was such a nice medical specialty, and that's why I went into ophthalmology. And like Stephanie was saying, from the get-go, I was able to, you know, get a surgical training as well, which is something you sometimes you don't get as easy. You know, it doesn't come because uh, I have also trained many residents and fellowships by now. Right. So you need to be driven. You need to want to do it and you need to want to help people in general. It doesn't matter where you are, a boy or a girl, but especially with women, we need to be having sort of like a second look to be able to, you know, let them know that it's possible for them to achieve what Stephanie has told us about herself and what I'm just saying. It's so true. It doesn't matter what part of the world that you're in. These uh, these important things transverse all cultures. I mean, we're I'm in the U.S. You're in Argentina. Stephanie's in Germany, uh, and yet all the things that you have said are things that I found similar in my career that I've uh, you know I've I've encountered as well. So I recall having a great mentor that helped me so much when I was out of the residency and going into my cornea fellowship. And he used to say, you need to have the sacred fire still running through your veins to be able to perform this because it's a marathon and it's always going to be one. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so I came, I'm an MDJD, so I did a combined 
medical school, law school program, uh, my <laughs> interest. <Yeah. laughs> we don't have overachievers on this podcast at all. No, no. no. <laughs> well, listen, I dropped from, from my third year of economics to go into medicine. But clearly the, the paths everybody takes, uh, you know, you can, it leads you to where you are today. Um, but my interest was always in healthcare policy and patient advocacy. And I think, you know, it's bringing these skills together um, that we do as ophthalmologists and caring for our patients, both inside the office and outside the office, that really make this such a unique field, um, a, you know, no matter where you practice. Um, it, it leads me to the next kind of topic uh, where do you really see leadership in this industry? What does that mean to you and how do you define it? Leadership is, in my opinion, somebody where I can look up to. And at the time when I was in residency, there were hardly any, any female ophthalmologist in, in a big position. And what helped me at that time uh, was that we ha had a, a female uh, German chancellor. And to see that a woman can lead, or for example, also Christiane Lagarde from France, these were women where I could see up, I could see they can manage, they have much more responsibility than I would have in my clinic, but I could see they can manage and I can manage too. Um, I also think that sometimes, well, all of the time, you need to lead by the example. You know, so you need to be able to be worthy of earning other people's respect. And in order to do so, like to me, the first thing I would say to, to young ophthalmologists would be to, you know, we, we love building companies, but we work in the health business. So you never have to lose sight of the fact that the person sitting in front of you has come to you because there's something they need. Right? They are not just sitting there because it's good fun to come and visit you, right? So you never have to lose sight about stuff like that to be able to then build a successful console and therefore a company if, if it goes to that way, you know? I think uh, those are wise words to share. Uh, God bless his soul. My dad used to say, when you put the patient first, everything else follows. Uh, and I think it's easy sometimes to get wrapped up, especially in the US, we have so many different um, barriers with insurance companies and prior authorization and everything else. We get caught up in a lot of the paperwork and a lot of the those aspects that are unenjoyable. Um, but when we focus on uh, really placing that patient first, uh, everything else comes from it and the business grows and the practice grows and your referral network grows. Uh, and I think that's a really important leadership lesson. And at the same time, you know, we, we cannot act innocent, pretending those things don't exist. Of course, right? yeah. So you need to deal with insurances. You need to deal with paperwork. And what you need to do, if it's possible for you, is to actually, you know, have a team of people, trained people who are willing to work for you, um, you know, taking care of those aspects. But, you know, patients first, because... 
this is what we do, right? If we wanted to do something else, we would be selling something different, but we wouldn't be doctors. So we don't need, we need to keep that in mind, but also be smart enough to train our people, to train our employees, to be able to take care of the paperwork and insurances and, you know, because those things happen in the real world. Absolutely. Um, when we look around, we see that women have historically been underrepresented in leadership roles in ophthalmology. Um, but the number of female ophthalmologists is growing rapidly and the influence from such continues to grow. So uh, do you think being a woman has influenced your experience working in the field? From my um, my opinion, um, not not that much because as I already told you, there were, had not been so many um, you know, women uh, in, uh, in position or there were only men when I was uh, learning. And therefore, in what, uh, concerning medicine, I would say no, but concerning the, the world, of course, there are women uh, which influenced me. So um, I think womanhood, you know, placing our benefit, you no. Know, that's the way I see it, because sometimes we're able to work around, you know, um, difficult situations, having a second approach, which is what you were saying, Lisa, beforehand, how, you know, we can come across with a different point of view. So to me, you know, it's only been an advantage, really. Um, I think we shouldn't get into, you know, trying to say uh, there are, you know, too little women, which there are. We are not too many, really. Um, hopefully, it will be more, you know, in the in the next few years. Yes. But right. But uh, it all comes back to something very simple, which is merit. You know, people get where they deserve to be. And to me, you have to, you know, work tough hours. You need to go through whatever you need to go through, in able to do it. But my advice to young women in ophthalmology would be. They need to plan ahead what they want to do, right? Because we need, sometimes we need to take care of our families. Sometimes we're single ladies. So it doesn't matter what your personal preferences are. You need to be able to plan ahead in time what you'd like to do, not only with your practice, but also with your life. Because for us, sometimes, you know, those two different aspects sort of, you know, collapse against each other. Sure, there are a lot of responsibilities that fall <laughs> on the, on the woman ophthalmologist's shoulders. Smart and be able, and you need to know that you need to plan ahead. Thank you all for listening to part one of this two episode series on women in ophthalmology, championing women in the OR. Be sure to listen to part two in the next episode where Dr. Nisham, Dr. Botter and Dr. Schmickler continue the conversation. For more information about this episode's topic and to read the show notes, visit the peer-to-peer hub at rainer.com forward slash peer-to-peer. This podcast is provided for general information purposes only. The presenter's views are their own. Rainer does not endorse off-label use. Users must refer to the product labelling and instructions for use for Rainer products in all cases. Not all Rainer products are available in all countries. The full disclaimer can be found in the show notes.